Bonanian. My biggest complaint about warranties are their limits and the fine print that they don't necessarily explain. It's got a leaky carburetor, a rusted ass floor, four broken windows, bullet holes in the door, torn up old seats, and the lock don't fit the key. Now, baby, who would really love this car? Doctor, everything was a 95. It seems like if it ends in 95, that must be the clue. That's like the, uh, that's like the, well, we're doing a cheap routine. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hi, come on in, sit down. Ronnie Indian, the car doctor at your service this hour. 855-560-9900 is the phone number as always. The car doctor's 24-7 number. 855-560-9900. Here to answer your questions, help you with your car problem. Whoever or whatever you are, you can be a tech in a shop, you can be an owner, you can be a consumer, you can be a parts manufacturer. You know what? We're non-denominational here. We'll talk to everybody and anybody. Um, we're here to help you talk about and solve car problems as they arise because there's surely a bunch of them out there uh, in this in this industry that um, you know makes you scratch your head every day. It makes me scratch my head to the point that um, I'm starting to lose my hair. Well, actually, it's been going on for a while, so I can't say that. Um, uh, yeah, look at Tom. Tom's lost his hair. So, But anyway, that's what this radio show is all about. We're here to help you solve your car problem. You can also keep in mind that, um, yeah, I know, now Tom, excuse me, folks. Yeah, fellas, I see. I, you know, I noticed that everybody on that side of the glass has less hair than the guy on this side of the glass. So that's because, well, I guess you guys have to keep me in line. That's part of the problem. So, but um, I get it now. Anyway, the radio staff, I'm sorry, the website for this radio show is cardoctorshow.com. Hey, this is the perils of live radio. Uh, cardoctorshow.com. You'll find all sorts of information about us there. You'll find some links down the left side of the page to tune in, which is a list of affiliates or partial affiliates, as well as uh, ability to get over to iHeart and iTunes.com. And um, I keep mentioning to Tom, Tom, I think the iTunes link on the website needs to be looked at. I'm not sure if it's working or not, so do me a favor and take a peek at that. Um, I love it when we have these meetings on national radio, but that's the only time we get during the course of the week. We're so busy pulling this show together and making it all happen um, across all the 80-plus affiliates that we're on, so um, just always something to do. Anyway, if you need me during the week, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Email is the best way to get me. I've always got email access and um, I will try to get back to you within a reasonable amount of time. If not, we'll talk about it here on air. And don't be surprised if Fast Harry calls you. Maybe I shouldn't say this because it seems to scare people coming up here on radio to talk about it. Uh, don't be surprised if Fast Harry calls you to, um, you know, have you tell us your problem on air, and we'll solve it for you here. And I like to do that because I think that a lot of these problems are not unique to any one particular person, and I think everybody can benefit from some of these answers and questions, and um, that's why we'll do that. Had a car in the shop in the last, let's see, was it last week? No, it was the week before. 99 Lincoln Continental. No crank, no crank, no start. Dash lights, nothing else. Car was towed in. It had been sitting for a while. And had to go through diagnosis. Now, the customer, very good customer, nice guy. Frank, he kept saying to me, Ron, I think it's the fuel pump. Um, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. And, well, if it's a fuel pump, then why is it, you know, it doesn't turn over, though, Frank. And I kind of had to go through the drill with him. And, by the way, I should I should apologize. I have 
I am putting the finishing touches on the diagnostic routine chart. Uh, last count, you know, I had to break it down into English so that everybody would understand it as it as as you, as you kind of flow through it. Do you know, I think there's over seventy steps to a complete diagnosis, depending upon what you're looking for. And I'm trying to I'm trying to just put it. So I, I promise we'll get it up on Facebook in the next two weeks. I have not forgotten that commitment to you. Um, but it's just some of the things. And basically, if you, if, it's the idea that if you go through this diagnostic routine, you will be able to fix the car because it, it, it forces you to test everything. I'm not saying it's easy, but it, on that on that brain tickler and that stumbler, it will teach you to verify and look at everything. And anyway, it's something I've written long, long time ago, and it still works to this day. And I actually used it, which is what I realized that in my brain today that um, – uh, I used it in fixing Frank's car that I started to go through the flow chart, and I went through the various, you know, look at the visual, check the battery, check fuel pressure. What's this car missing? In Frank's case, he had a fault code contained within the anti-theft. Ford has, you know, Pat's anti-theft system, and it was, Pat's system was enabled. It thought Frank was trying to steal his own car for some reason. And when you got down through the diagnosis, if memory serves me correct, it was a P1250 or some such code that pointed towards the transmitter wrapped around the ignition lock cylinder. And when you read the diagnosis, it said it wants you to check for voltage on this wire, this wire, this wire. You're looking for a signal. You're looking for a condition. And everything was there. And I said, gee, this car should start. Now, before I take the steering column apart, and this isn't a step on the diagnostic flow chart, but this is something I will do. I'll sit there and say, what's availability on that part, especially if the car is older than seven years old? Well, my intuition was right. When I called Ford, this particular part was obsolete, wasn't available, none left. Went to the obsolete Ford parts depot. There were two left, two in the country for a 99 Lincoln Continental, which is kind of depressing, actually, when you think about how many of those cars used to be out there. Uh, you know, now there's there's enough anti-theft module repairs to, to do two. Well, now there's only one. So I sat there and I said, well, let's see. I, I It's it's an intermittent fault. I can pr- prove that everything up to this point, this is bad. I wonder what happens if I tap this module that I believe is bad. What will occur? Sure enough, I tapped it, hit the key, the car started right up. Can't reproduce it again. Can't get the car to not start in all the attempts. Everything looks the same. Called the customer up, it was a $150 piece, and said, you know, I think this is where we start. This is where we call the war, simply because there's only two left in the country. If I give you the car back without replacing this particular component, you know it's going to work for about, oh, three, four months. And then three, four months from now, it's going to die again. Of course, by then, the last two pieces left in the country will be sold and long gone, and we won't have the option to pick it up. Let's buy one. Buy one we did. Install it we did. And I have to tell you, two weeks later, that car is still out there fixed. Now, do I know it's fixed? Fixed? Yeah. Um, I'm in the 90 percentile. I believe that, you know, you have to be positive like that, as much as you guys know me to be positive, which, are you positive? But the point of this is, sometimes when you're dealing with an older car, to hedge the bets and to speed up the diagnostic process because you surely don't want to learn everything about everything because then you'll know everything and then your head will hurt. 
Sometimes you got to swing the bat and take your swing and, and, and hope for the best. In the case of the $150 part, when I looked at it and said, what will I have to do to prove that it is that $150 part? It would take $300 in, in time just to prove that the $150 obsolete part is, is good or bad. It doesn't pay. And that's what we've created in terms of cars. And I really believe this, that, that these cars today put you in a point where there has to be a calculated risk. And I'm not suggesting any way, shape, or form that we throw parts at a car in order to solve it. But you've got to play the edges, and you've got to you've got to get into a percentile. In my mind, when I get into that 85 percentile, where yeah, you know, I know this is good, this is good, this is good, and I'm down to two components, and one component's a thousand dollars, one component's 150 dollars, a thousand dollar component's readily available, the 150 dollar component isn't. You know what? Let's put the 150 dollar component in it and 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 see where that gets us. During the course of this repair, and that did fix it, and that car's done and gone. During the course of this repair, I did have an interesting thought, and I haven't had a chance to research it, but I wonder what the remote start kits would do. Because a lot of the remote starter kits, and I'm not sure about the older technology, but the newer stuff, they're they're tying into the anti-theft systems on some of these cars. And maybe we have to get a hold of Harry. Maybe we have to get a hold of Mike Zip from Zippo's Electronics down there in Bloomfield and ask him this question. Maybe that's a question for him with regard to is there a way to bypass the anti-theft on a temporary basis? And I wonder if those older chips are available that you could do that on a full-time basis on some of the older cars, because surely nobody wants to steal a, two, a, a 1999 Lincoln Continental with 100,000 miles on it anymore. What's the point? Um, some food for thought. I often wonder about that, by the way. I, I think about that in my head. Maybe that's the next market. You know what? If your car is 10 years old or older, we're going to come out with a way to bypass the anti-theft system. Nobody wants to steal it anyway. You can't get parts for it. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. We are coming back right after this. back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor here. Find out more about the Car Doctor at cardoctorshow.com. Also out on Facebook, Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Let's go over and talk to Jim, Detroit, Maine. Detroit, Maine? Is that right? 2005 GMC. Jim, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. Yeah, hi, Ron. Yes, How sir. are you? Good. What's going on? Oh, just talking to you. Yeah? What's uh, what's the problem here with this 2005 GMC? Oh, all right. Um, back in, uh, well, you know the history. It's it's uh, 05. I bought it with 68,000 miles on it two years ago or so, and uh, it's run fine. I've uh, changed the oil, uh, norm, you know, regularly and all that. Uh, back in this past November, I went away for 10 days on vacation out west, and uh, when I got back, um, it's a two-hour drive to the airport, and my son came down with the truck and picked me and my wife up, and we drove back, and everything was fine in that. And the, the following morning, it was a little chilly, but I started the truck up first thing, and, and it uh, – started wrapping or tapping really, really a lot from the uh, valve cover, I guess, and I shut it right down. It, it kind of scared me. I had never heard it that bad. And uh, so I checked the oil, and it was down about a, a quarter or so. So, I, you know, I checked it in a while, I guess. But um, So I put some, you know, fill, put, put another quart of oil in it, and 
it took probably um, 10 minutes or so for the, it ended up a single tap and then it uh, finally went away. But uh, so I, how low, uh, how some, low on oil was it, Jim? Uh, how it was, it was about uh, 4,000 miles on it. No, no. How, how low, how low on oil? Oh, just about a quart. It wasn't that bad. Okay. Um, no, was, no warning lights on in the dash, no change in oil pressure. No, not that I, I wasn't paying attention to it. It was, right. you know, so, uh, the fellow I bought it off, I took real good care of it, and he was using synthetic oil, and uh, that's what. So I kept, you know, whenever I changed it at five thousand, I kept synthetic oil in it. Right. He was using a product. I don't know. Can I say the product? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, listen, I talk yeah, about everything yeah. here. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. He was, he was using Mobile One. Okay. And and so you know, I went to Walmart to pick up synthetic oil, and I brought a I bought a different brand. And I thought maybe I wasn't paying attention to the uh, 530, which was supposed to be, and I might have put a 540 or a 1030 or something. So anyway, I went out and uh, uh, changed the oil and the filter and put some, uh, like I said, seafoam additive to the oil to quiet it down, and it was fine for for a couple of months. And then it, it just came back one day when I – it seems like now it's when I go up the highway for uh, at speed limit, for half an hour to Bangor or something like that, it, it come back in the next day. It's only on the first start up in the morning that, that it'll wrap and, and it'll go down to just one tap it. And, uh, you know, it's getting more frequent now, though. So I've talked to the mechanic who, uh, and again, the fellow I bought it off of was uh, is a good friend and uh, a neighbor, and I trust, you know, he takes good care of stuff. Sure. And, uh, with 68,000 miles on it, he had changed the oil regularly, so... This just came out of the blue, and uh, so I anyway the same mechanic that he used, I use. Uh, it's a father-son uh, small garage, and they're really good GM mechanics. Uh, from everything I was told before I started using them, they, everybody was happy with them. So I just you know I went through the whole thing with them, and they were kind of scratching their head. They they'd heard you know GMs uh, sometimes do that, have tap it. Uh, it don't quiet down right away. Like uh, the, the father said, you know, it takes a while for the oil to get up to the uh, cylinder head and into the uh, lifters. Uh, so, I, but I, I'm just con- I'm concerned, that's all. Okay. Well, I, I, and I feel your pain, buddy. I really do. Here's, yeah. here's, here's how I tackle this, all right? And uh, let me just say, I, I don't think it's a, a, a synthetic oil issue. And I don't think no. it's I don't think it's a brand issue. I don't think if it's it's Mobile One or or Castrol or Pennzoil or whatever you use, and it's got nothing to do with it. Just I, I just want to keep everything above board. I, I I I don't think this is an oil brand issue or an oil viscosity issue. Not not short term like that. I uh, you know believe it or not, viscosity from my experience. If you put too heavy a viscosity in an engine, it's mm-hmm. you know short term. Short term, the biggest problem you're going to see, my experience has always been, believe it or not, you'll cause engine misfires because the lifters the lifters will stay pumped up and won't allow themselves to, they won't allow the valve to close and it'll actually cause a misfire. Had a, had a oh, it's got to be five years ago now, had a 2003 Hyundai, um, I'm going to say Sonata or Tiburon it was, and another repair shop had changed the oil on it, and they were putting 1540 in it, where you know spec was 520 or 530 at the time. And it took us a while. We we ran through it and started breaking it down, and you know it was just every morning when it was cold, and then 
after I had gone through the traditional, you know, gee, the plugs were wiped out at 80,000 miles and the coil had a crack in it. And naturally, you're going to do wires and listen to all the injectors and cleaned everything. And as I'm running through my bag of tricks, you know, I think it's number 22 on my diagnostic chart. I don't remember the exact number as I'm going through that. I've been talking about my diagnostic chart lately. Um, it was oil viscosity. You, you know what? I did an oil change, fixed the car. And, you know, talked to the other shop that did it. We were on, we were on talking terms, and the guy says, yeah, I was using 1540 because it was an older car with high mileage. He actually created the problem. Uh, so, yeah. you know, viscosity will cause misfire. won't cause a lifter issue to, to make noise like that. So bottom yeah. line, wh- where I would start with this, all right, is number one, what oil filter is on it, and yeah. make, make sure the oil filter has a good has a good check valve in it like it's supposed to. And, That's exactly what my mechanic said. Yep. Yeah, and you know, make sure, make sure you know, make sure that's there. Make sure that's doing what it's supposed to. If you want to read about some good oil filters, you can get out to wixfilters.com. Uh, we use we use Wix in the shop all day long. Great filter, and we know that their stuff is built to an OE spec, so it eliminates that problem. Not to mention, Wix has a good technical hotline service. You can find access to them through wixfilters.com. And uh, mm-hmm. talk to them about that. That's number one. And then number two, with regard to the tap, once you're satisfied, you've got a good filter on there. Um, I would tell you, have you tried to do any sort of, you tried sea foam? Um, you applied sea foam in the crankcase? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I've got experience with sea foam as an engine cleaner in the combustion chamber, but, uh-huh. but not in the crankcase. And I'm not saying it won't work, but I've got to stick with what I know works until I start to try something else and I've researched it enough. And uh-huh. my my trick du jour here is either going to be a pint of automatic transmission fluid, and by saying that I'll generate 78 emails from people telling me there's no you know varnish disposal quality in, in, in automatic trans fluid, and I get that, but it does work. Or I'm going to tell you to go out really? to the store and, yeah, that's what they say, but it does work. Or I'm going to tell you to go out to the store and bar, bar, buy something along the line of, um, a valve clean product or a Marvel Mystery Oil, something like that, something that will clean clean crankcase sludge. Say that three times fast, and yeah. run that through the engine. All right, huh. and huh. you know, see what that does before we start doing a tear down to inspect. My suspicion is there's a little bit of sludge, a little bit of dirt, a little bit of residual something here that's holding a lifter open, and it takes a while for it to pump up. And it doesn't take much dirt to attack a lifter. Try the internal combustion chamber cleaning. Even Like I said, uh, a, a pint of automatic trans fluid. See what that does. Call me back next week. I'm Ron Anady and the Car Doctor. We'll return right after this. Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number is there. Let's uh, let's do this email. I want to just bang out this email real quick. I tried to do this uh, at the end of the last hour, and we just ran out of time. And I think this email is, is great. We've got to give it some due. Hey, Ron, I listen in from Australia every Sunday night. I love the show and the way you go about describing the issues you face succinctly but with enough detail. I'd like to ask about these new decarbonizing machines that use a negatively charged cleaning solution under pressure and which it claimed can clean combustion chambers and fix many emissions problems. I've seen this on the UK TV show Wheeler Dealers, which was impressive. Obviously, they said it was good, but they did go on to the show before and after emission levels, which, if untrue, 
would be one very, very big porky pie. I must be Australian. I like the idea of this. I've never been one to use fuel tank additives, but I do use high-end fuel pump. High, oh, high-end pump fuel. Okay, I'm sorry. High-end pump fuel to maintain some level of fuel system cleanliness. I've attached the link to the TV show footage below. Can you please advise as to what you think, knowing these new machines of cleaning additives are coming out of fuels? Won't that increase the need for such operations, especially from an emissions perspective? Many thanks, and don't go giving away the car, doctor. Too many people look forward to it, I suspect. Best regards, Nick. And he gave his phone number. Boy, Harry, I'd like to see you get this guy on the air. Um, I'd have to figure that out. What time is it in Australia? If it's 2 to 4 p.m. here on Saturday afternoon, it's four, four, 14 hours ahead. So so that's um, – I don't think I can stay up that late. I'm tired. But um, in any event, let me answer the question. I went to the YouTube video and I watched it, Nick, and for everyone else out there. And it was interesting. It's I get what they're doing. The one thing that I'm at a disadvantage of is here in the States, from what I see on a day-to-day basis, tailpipe emissions measured by a gas analyzer don't necessarily matter because – the onboard O2 sensor, the onboard fuel control system is going to clean it up. What I tend to look at to tell if a carbon if a carbon cleaning is going to help is I look at fuel trim. I look at fuel trim, and I'll plot air fuel or O2 sensor activity to see does it improve switch rate. And then I might also do an OSC, an oxygen storage capacity test to a catalytic converter to see does it you know help its effectiveness. Um, that being said, if there's any sort of detergent cleaner in these machines – if there is some form of way that they're breaking down carbon, and I don't want to say, yeah, looking at tailpipe emissions is a clear indicator of that, then I think that, yeah, there is some validity to this. Uh, the way I would approach this, because I remember back when we first started using MotorVac, MotorVac Carbon Clean, probably 25 years ago now, um, you know, my approach was I want to have it done to my car, and I want to see fuel economy before and after, and I want to feel overall engine quality before and after. And to me, fuel economy is going to be the, the, the dictator. That's going to be the one that tells you, was it an effective method of cleaning? And you'll feel a difference. Look, carbon's going to be an issue. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking about it next week. It came out in a recent article in one of the trades, and uh, one of the listeners sent me the article, well, more than one, sent me an article that talks about, and they said, yeah, because I've been pointing it out, that detergency, detergent additives are going to come out of gasoline uh, 2017 here in the U.S., and I imagine around the world as they're trying harder and harder to you know, clean up the air. That being said, carbon is a major problem, and it's going to be one going forward because of engine design and just, just, just a bunch of possibilities. So uh, engine cleaning systems such as this, as well as what's out here, are definitely things to look at. And I'm just, you know, Nick, I'm not trying to go the long way around the barn, but I'm trying to come up with a valid way to say, hey, let go to somebody, prove that it works. And I think the way I'd have to approach this is I don't care what tailpipe emissions are. I want to check manifold vacuum before and after, and I want to check fuel economy before and after because I also want to see what the long-term effects are. And I would take that as, you know, how do you know that the carbon cleaning isn't cleaning up the emissions? And I'm sure there's catalytic converters in Australia, and that's an educated guess. I've never thought about it, but I'm sure there's catalytic converters in Australia. Or let's say it like this. If there are catalytic converters on cars in Australia, then how do you know it's not a temporary cleanup and it's a temporary change to the onboard computer's fuel system management strategy? And I'd like to see a long-term effect. I'd like to see a month's worth of fuel economy tests after the fact 
after I've got a good baseline beforehand and just general performance. And to me, that would be the barometer. I'm not saying this is good or bad, Nick, but I am saying you need to start looking at carbon cleaning processes and carbon cleaning machines because that is the way of the future uh, and additives as well because, like I said, you're not going to be able to get additives in the gasoline anymore. It's going to have to come from a pour-in bottle. And I'll say it like this. It's going to come from a pour-in bottle as long as they still allow manufacturers to make them because um, that's going to be the next thing that goes away, I'm willing to bet, as they continue the assault on the auto industry and uh, trying to clean it up. Um, I hope that did it for you. And, Nick, let me tell you, I'm real proud to say i got a listener in Australia down under. If we ever get down that way, we're going to stop in and have a beer. Let's uh, let's go over and talk to Mike Danell in New Jersey. Mike, welcome back to The Car Doctor. What's going on? Ron, good afternoon. i got a quick uh, quick comment. That's a great uh, segue into what I was going to talk about. A lot of turbocharged motors are out there today with direct injection. And I was looking at some YouTubes regarding what they call low-speed pre-ignition. And what that means is if you have your car in sixth gear and you're on the highway and you tromp on it, which I don't know why you would anyway, it loads up the uh, in- engine with a lot of unburnt fuel. And a lot of these guys say that they're blowing their engines because the raw fuel is coming out of the tailpipe unburnt. Have you ever heard about that? No, haven't seen it, Mike. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, have you you got anything in writing from anybody? I mean, has anybody got any documented cases, or is these just claims on YouTube videos? No, I've seen I've seen a couple different people commenting on, on YouTube about it, but uh, it, particularly uh, Subaru uh, owners and the people that own the Ford Focus, the ST, uh, Fiestas, and all that. Right. But I, and the Mustang. You know, I'd be I would I would take it at face value until I saw something proof in the pudding, something in writing from any one of the manufacturers. Think of it like this, all right? You know, this is like you look at Facebook and the claims people make on Facebook about what's going on in the world. Sure. And I, I, I don't discount it, but until I actually see it or see proof of it, I don't let the indica- I don't let the internet Help me form an opinion. I held it. It helped me gather information and evidence to prove one way well, or the my, other. My, my question to you is: Why would you? Why would you tromp on an engine with two thousand RPM or twenty two hundred RPM and, and six gear on the highway? Wouldn't you downshift a gear or two to pass somebody? Well, are we talking a six speed manual or a six speed automatic? No, these are all manual transmissions. That well, talking about. yeah, I would. I would have to think you would. But then again, you know, the other side of that, Mike, and it's kind of a harsh statement. Most people today don't know how to drive a stick. <laughs> and that's that right. that's that's the bottom line. You know, that's like, you know, you start asking people about anything automotive related, and it's amazing. And I think it's amazing how little people know. And I don't want to, you know, upset anybody, but let's no, just no, no. and it's just, uh, you know, what when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have cars. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car in high school. I couldn't afford one. Mm-hmm. All right. I worked on everybody's. I was that kid that everybody drove around to get me to fix everybody else's car. I never had a car that was together. I had three or four cars in several stages of disrepair, mm-hmm. but you know I could never get it together enough. Um, well, as you know, as you know, Ron, I don't drive. I can't see. No, but, I know. Uh, but I know. I, but... I, I really get annoyed when I hear people going by and their cars are out of tune. Or if I ride with somebody, you can tell what kind of drivers people are just from riding in the car for a couple of minutes. Well, right. But my point is, going back to that, my point right. is that I learned from a very early age what it takes to make a car work. And I'm not saying everybody's got to be a mechanic, but I also learned to respect it from a mechanical perspective. 
So, yeah, I think there are people that in sixth gear will flirt, you know, lugging the engine along and they won't get performance out of it. And then they'll complain to the manufacturer not understanding how the machine works or what it's supposed to do. And I, I think that's an issue. And well, if I, if I hear any more about this, I'll definitely pass it on. But this is from particular YouTubes that I've pulled up, and that's how I learned a lot of my information. Yeah, I'd like to see that. As a matter of fact, I'd like to uh, y you get something that proves it, Mike. Uh, we'll get it up on Facebook, and we'll post it out, and uh, we'll have well, that conversation there. What I will do is I'll email you the link, and you can look at it yourself and see Perfect. what, see what you right. think. Let's do that. All Mike, right. as always, I appreciate the call. Take good care. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor, back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Amy in the car, Dr. 855-560-9900 as we uh, roll along today on here in the car, Doctor. Let's go over and talk to Tom Merritt in Connecticut. Tom, welcome. What's going on? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, Yeah, sir. I got a uh, 2,000 Crown Big P71, you know, cop car. Yep. And 168 or so thousand miles on it. Just broken in. in. Yep. April 06, longest I've ever had a car. It's off the road. It's in the garage. I'm not yep. using it now, but... Yep. I think it was last week or the week before I was listening to your show and you're mentioning, uh, you know, water getting into the engine compartment and, and raising hell with, with, you know, with, with the uh, electrical system. And I've had that issue with, with uh, you know, big rainstorms and, and hesitations and stuff. I said, gee, water's getting in there. So, and anyway, you mentioned that replacing the original uh, weather stripping around the cow solved another uh, issue with another person's problem. I was wondering if you ever heard anything about these cars and, that issue. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you know, it's 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 one of the reasons when we change oil on a car, and this will sound really strange at first, Tom, but when we change oil on a car in the shop, if the if there are leaves in the cowl area, we'll we'll vacuum them out, we'll clean them out, and we do it for two reasons. Number one, we don't want you breathing that stuff in because it it will create and cause health issues in some people, and it's also just not nice to smell inside the car. That's the flow through air, but that's also the drain. And if, if, if there's leaves there and the cowl drains are clogged, guess where the water goes? Into the engine into the engine compartment. So, you know, it's it's everything's supposed to work as a system and everything's there for a reason. On on the cop cars or on the Crown Vicks, I should say, yeah, I've seen issues where that seal that runs along the back edge, if that's displaced or out of place, that'll cause a water leak. I've seen it where if the cowl drains are plugged up, It'll build up, and the water won't drain off properly. Heck, I've seen it where they've taken the molding off the base of the windshield, and that creates water issues and puts water in the wrong place. So, you know, you've got to be careful in terms of, of what you do and how you change a car, but I think you know that. Yeah, I've had, well, this is the longest I've ever had, an 87, an 88, and 289s. You know, the old style, the 351 cars. Right, yeah. Um, and the Connecticut State, State Police cars, and they were great. But this, of course, this car is not night and day from them. This is much, much better, much more dependable. Uh, and I changed two intakes on it since I've had it. But I mean, nothing else. Now I start the engine up, and you hear a slight little rod knock there. So I mean, it's got a lot of miles. But I tell you what, this this car has been just probably the best car I've ever had as far as dependability is concerned. Have you, you know, what? What have you considered for the rod knock? I mean, is it a rod knock? Is it piston speed? Is it valve speed? Um, it sounds like, well, just when I started up, uh, I can hear a slight knock. It's been going on a while, and, and 
nothing, no other time do I do I hear it. So right. I'm, I'm just thinking that's what it is. What do you what do you think? Well, I'm just wondering is it is it only there cold or is it there every time you start it? Uh, cold. Only cold. You know, yeah. are, are, do you think it could be an oil drain back issue? Maybe. Yeah, it could be. I guess. I mean, I have to probably yank the motor out. And... Well, by that, by that, I mean, you know, listen. Maybe it's something as simple. I don't know what brand of oil filter you're using. I use a, you know, I use a for filters and stuff. I use the best. I, I mean, I use better. I use I use Wix. Okay. Top top of the line. I, I don't. I never. I never skimp on filters and maintenance. I maintain this thing myself. Well, I didn't do the in, I didn't do the intakes. I had them done by a guy that I right. know that did them. Well, here's here's the nice part about you saying you're using Wix. If you're using Wix, that's half the battle right there because I was going to suggest to you to use a Wix because I know that they make OE spec filters and they they'll have the right drain back valve in it and it'll eliminate the problem or at least it's, it's, yeah. it's it could be part of the solution. The, and here's the advantage. And I've been, yeah, I've been using the you know the synthetic oil in this thing since I got it. That's what that's what was in it and that's what I use. Right. I, you know, I know you mentioned a Quaker State product. That's a great product. I use at the parts store I go to here in here in town. It's a local one. It's a privately owned. Uh, I try to give the business to the to the individual guy, not the big chains. That's right. just how, yep. how I am. Right. Yeah, you're thinking Pennzoil is what you're thinking. Pennzoil. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a really good oil. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, we know, like we like we like Pennzoil. We like Wicks. Um, we like the yeah, stuff that I, works. I, I was an operating engineer for 18 years, and I did a lot of P. I was the PM guy, so I mean, I did. I changed oil and filters and everything from a. Light, light plants to, you know, 150-ton uh, uh, cranes. Right, so. right. Well, if you want to read more about those Wix filters, get out to wixfilters.com, Tom. And if you need more information about anything with that water leak and you have any other issues, you send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and uh, I'll send you anything I can find and help you out. And uh, got to keep the old cop cars running. They're just kind of neat. I always think of that line from the Blues Brothers, cop shocks, cop tires, and it was built before 1974. So it runs good on unleaded gas. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Running any in the car, doctor. Back to wrap it up right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. 855-560-9900. You know, we, we were talking before about the email from Australia. Well, came across another one. This one from Chimmy in the Philippines. Ron, I love your show on tuning. Your show helps us even here on the other side of the planet. Many thanks. Would like to phone you, but the time difference makes it difficult. How do you like that? Philippines, Philippines, Australia, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Ireland. And it's hard for me to get recognized in the local bank, but that's okay. I like that. Um, that's kind of interesting, huh? How do you like that? The power of the Internet, and uh, we're, we're glad to be there for you and everybody else. Um, just trying to fix cars. That's all we're trying to do. Hey, speaking about fixing cars, just a reminder that coming up on uh, the weekend of March 18th, 19th, and 20th, on the 19th of March, if you are in the New York City area, um, consider this a personal invite to each and every one of you to attend uh, at the Meadowlands Exposition Center in Secaucus, New Jersey, for all the automotive professionals in the audience. Uh, we'd like to invite you to come on out to Northeast Trade Show at the uh, Meadowlands Exposition Center in beautiful downtown Secaucus, New Jersey. Um, we're going to be there doing the broadcast 2 to 4. And for those of you that can't make it, you can look forward to the live show. We've done it there a couple of years now. We're going back. Um, either we're gluttons for punishment or they haven't figured out how bad we really are. They keep asking us. Um, but one way or the other, we're going to show up and uh, give them another show. 
Um, uh, so we'll be doing that on March 19th, Saturday at uh, 2 o'clock. Naturally, we begin live on the network. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're looking forward to being able to talk to you again here next week. God willing, the creek don't rise. And uh, talking to you about things that occurred in the shop and things that kind of went through uh, uh, my mind as uh, I keep going out there fixing cars. I keep thinking of that line from Young Frankenstein about the nonsensical ravings about an interior lunatic or something like that. Uh, sometimes I think that's what this show is about. But in any event, what this show is really about is I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya!